1: Welcome back everyone, this is the XOne. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, around the world, on the XOne Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, in Europe and Asia on the Euro Radio TV Network, and in Brussels, I'm sorry, in Belgium, on Radio X, and everywhere else on iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exone at TV.com on all social media sites, Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out what's going on in the world of the Exxon Broadcast Network, our shows, our schedule, and where you can listen to the different shows, it's all with our compliments at www.xzbn.net. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour, is Marty Angelo. And I could read you his bio. But I'm not going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring uh, Marty on and have him uh, tell us a little bit about So if you know, he's been a prison minister and a drug, uh, drug rehab counselor for the last 35 years, along with writing 10 books. That is just a taste of what this gentleman has been up to. And Marty, welcome to the x
2: Hey, thank you, Rob. It's great to be with you. You know, I used to, I, I used to live in Crystal Beach, Ontario, oh. in, in Buffalo, so I was a neighbor. There you go. I thought I recognized your voice, yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> uh, have that distinct accent. Crystal <laughs> Beach is a beautiful place. Yes, uh, were, you, were you were you there? Had when a big they, park there?
1: Yeah, uh, that park is gone now. By the way. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, tell us a little. Uh, tell us about yourself.
2: Well, uh, Rob, like I like uh, I said, i was yeah. born in Buffalo, New York, and and uh, grew up there. Uh, went to high school and off to college at the University of Buffalo, and. Uh, I you know I was kind of a rebellious kid in the beginning. I I really, I didn't have much foundation though. I there though I was uh, somewhat of a religious kid. Wanted to be a priest mm-hmm. of all things, and uh, but I was really inspired by that. But I never really at that time you know the Bible was a was a forbidden book. Uh, we weren't allowed to read it. We weren't allowed to have Protestant friends or those types of things. We were you know, I had to read certain books and. And they tried to keep a lid on things. And so, uh, you know, I never was exposed to truth in my life. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I did what most other kids did. I drank, I partied, fooled around with girls, played sports, went off to college and got involved with the Students for a Democratic Society, which, if you remember correctly, that was back when it was uh, Abby Hoffman, Jerry. That's right. Yeah. Bobby Seals. And and, I used to book bands. I was into rock music and that, and I, I used to book bands and par- at parties, and, and it kind of carried uh, over into college, and and I was listening to my radical liberal uh, um, professors; they they were influencing us at that time, just like they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I turned into this crazy uh, radical that that loved rock music and drugs, and and um, I carried on from college; uh, I kept it up into a career in the entertainment business, um, as a manager of rock bands and uh, television producer and record promoter and radio DJ, restaurant owner, bar owner. <clears throat> and I made pretty good money yet. Yeah, I was quite successful, but you know, I was a miserable wreck, man. I was, most of my friends were all, we were all drug addicts really in the entertainment back, back in the sixties, seventies, yeah. came out of that Woodstock generation. And, uh, you know, we were kind of like the grandfathers of this, of that whole movement. And I didn't know anybody that did drugs when I was a kid in high school. And then now, you know, I speak in high schools and I I ask, does anybody know anybody that doesn't do drugs? It's it's come a long way. I feel somewhat responsible for some of the characters that I used to hang around with and work with. Because we promoted that lifestyle and we didn't know any better. There wasn't any rehabs back there. Uh, no one was really seeking treatment you know we were just seeking having a good old time and uh i didn't think there would be a consequence that i'd have to pay didn't know how to get out of it i didn't i didn't have a uh like i said i didn't have any foundation so i didn't really could identify what my problems were but they came one after another one after another i kept hitting the brick wall and um and I got deeper and deeper into that, and it was very difficult to try to get out of it because I was, I was successful, I was making money. Right. I didn't consider myself a drug addict or a, or a drug pusher. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe would buy drugs and split them with my buddies, or mm-hmm. we'd go on the road and I'd be responsible for carrying the drugs and that. <laughs> and so um, I got my start with Jimi Hendrix. So if you know anything about that guy, he was a big promoter of LSD. All right, listen, I hate to do this, I've got to take my break, please stand by. Ex-o okay. Nation.
1: Marty Angelo is our special guest this hour. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great hour. www.martyangelo.com And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue. Here in the exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Marty Angelo is our special guest this hour, ExoNation, www.MartyAngelo.com. Dot com and you know Marty i uh, just listening to you talk about the olden days you know that's the same era I grew up in yeah um, except I was a cop I was oh. I, I was the guy who went <laughs> after the guys who were carrying the drugs buying the drugs and selling the drugs uh, but I loved rock and roll I played in a rock band I really? uh, yeah I played uh, the Sorel Montreal circuit of uh, the one of the very first clone Beatle bands. Oh wow. Uh let me see. I've played with Gordon Lightfoot, Peter Noon. Nice. I've worked with BJ Thomas, Brighton Rock. You know, so oh. so we and I used to own a bar.
2: I used Did to own a You know a Ronnie restaurant. Hawkins?
1: I never met him. Okay. Never met the Hawk. Never yeah, met he him. Was, but, he had you a know.
2: place up there called the the Cogdoor, I think it was called
1: in Toronto. Yeah. But you know, it's uh, they were they were strange days. You know, yes. be, you know, and I really believe that this was the tipping point or the the point where everything happened. You know, the hippies, when they came in with Make Love Not War and you had San Francisco, Hate Ashbury, and, and you had the, the folk music coming in. And yes. you, then you also had Greenwich Village and up here in Toronto we had Young Street, uh, not Young Street, yes. uh, Yorkville.
2: Yorkville. You know, right.
1: and uh, God, Niagara was flying at that time on both sides of the border. So... Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Drugs, sex and rock and roll. Man, that was the creed back then.
2: Well, you know, and it's it's I didn't know that there was a term. We never called it that at that time. I think that came later. But, um, you know, there was a lifestyle. I mean, especially if you could make a living at it. You know, that's why, um, you know, my friends, some of the friends that I had in school, you Mm -hmm. know, they went off and became professionals or whatever. Yeah. They had jobs. But, um, you know, they always thought my life was so thrilling i mean they would come and visit me and when i lived in california i'd have some old high school friends that would come out and had a big house Mm -hmm. i fancy cars you know i went to recording studios we did sessions with a lot of the big bands that i was invited to come and attend and they were just crazy crazy days that that um you know we couldn't take it too seriously because nobody really got any problems from it i mean yeah we were messed up i was messed up physically but it's it's you know, we listened to like you know, Timothy Leary, I don't know, oh gosh his his was this whole thing was you turn on, you tune yeah. in, and you drop out, Yeah. And so there was nothing wrong. No one was telling you that it was wrong, but there were but look at the state of the world at that time, too.
1: like we had then, yeah. you know you had Vietnam going on. you had total yes. total discourse within uh, within the United States. You had people who were draft dodging to Canada. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you had the draft going on down there, and you had the civil riots. Yeah. You know, it was, it was horrible.
2: Yeah, we never thought we were going to make it through. Yeah. In fact, our professors, you know, they used to teach us that the end of the world was coming. And uh, we're going to—the Russians yeah. are going to—it's funny that we talk about the Russians. The Russians were going to come and invade us or That's blow right. us up. And, yeah. You know, we had that Cuban missile crisis. Mm-hmm. We had to hide under our desks. and And so, you know, it was— It was turbulent. Kennedy got shot, then his brother got shot, and Martin Luther King got shot, and you know it was it was turmoil. I mean, there was no one could make any any sense out of it. So you might as well just stay high and and try to make it through the next day. But how I again, I was how I
1: look at it. Those responsible for for the uh, for the discourse and and the the total upheaval within society, they Mm. were responsible for yeah. what was going on in the in, in the in the in the culture that they were brewing like people are only human and, and with everything that was going on they were looking for they were looking for some kind of escape and they couldn't find any more and enter the drug scene
2: yes yeah that that was an escape yeah and, that's right and so that you know no one could explain especially especially these college professors you know they they were so liberal and yeah. radical. You know, they make us, they give us signs, gave us drugs. We'd run around saying the Vietnam War was bad. And they were saying that there was a generation gap. There was our parents, mm-hmm. anybody that didn't have long hair and, and a hippie. Yeah. They were the other side, you know, so you did not want to listen to the other side, even though now, you know, when you look back on it, you know, I, I certainly wish I would have listened, you know, to some people. But it just when you're fogged up with drugs. Yeah. And, and partying and drinking and, and carrying on and you, you got a pocket full of money and, you know, a girl on each arm and fancy cars and, and, you know, got a name for yourself. You know, you don't you don't listen to anybody. You know, it's not going to happen to me. I remember when when Jimi Hendrix overdosed and died. I mean, we are all kind of shocked for a minute. But, you know, we just thought that it wasn't going to happen to me. well he probably got himself some bad drugs or something mm-hmm. like, you know, it, did, it didn't make you stop and think. And we just acted. Instead of thinking and then act, we acted and then thought. But tell me, how did you go from this lof- lifestyle
1: to <laughs> being a prison minister and, you know, <laughs> a, a, um, an abuse counselor? Like, what was the, the turnaround point?
2: Well, the turnaround was I did that lifestyle for 35 years, uh-huh. Rob. And, and uh, I was, you know, spinning out of control. I was on the verge of dying many times. I hmm. went in the hospital many times with rapid heartbeats and—, and um, and drug problems and physical problems and you know I didn't think I was paying a price but I was and and so uh um I had a sister that became a Christian and she lived in Buffalo and she used to reach out to me and send me stuff little booklets and tapes and things of that for me to listen to and read and I, I didn't quite understand what she was trying to do I thought she really lost her mind <laughs> I thought you know what's the matter with you, yeah. man? you know, snap out of it and but she was. there was some sincerity in her voice. And and so I mean, I had this television show that I was producing out of Buffalo, New York, in fact. It used to beam up there into Canada. It was called Disco Step by Step. And it was a it was a dance show. We did it out of uh taped it out of a disco in Buffalo called uh, Disco um the Seven four, Club seven forty seven. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. And we, we did the show there, taped three shows a day and mm-hmm. uh, you know, every weekend. Anyway, um it was it was quite successful. We had, in fact we used to come up to Canada a lot and get a lot of dancers. We'd audition dancers, and they'd come down to Buffalo and we'd put them up for the night. And we'd do tape tape these shows and stuff. But anyway, the show started to become very successful. And and you know my sister kept praying for me. And she said she called me one day. She goes, you know, I stop praying, Marty, that God would help you. I'm just praying that God will do whatever it takes to save your life. And I was quite shocked at that. Well, that same day I find out, you know, a couple years later that. Uh, she prayed that prayer on that same day and, it, and and it turns out I lost my television show that time. It was they, they decided to do something different. Mm-hmm. they were going to bring in other producers but I look at it as God orchestrating a plan in my life. He always does and, and, yeah and he and he was honoring her her prayer and he knew I was lost. There was no help in me other than him I mean and so I got arrested busted got four ounces of cocaine in my pocket. I was in mm-hmm. Miami, Florida, buying cocaine from my buddies Ouch. and going back to California with it. And uh, there I was. I was arrested. I was in, in jail in, in Miami. Uh, did, I, I kept telling the jailer, you know, hey, I'm famous. I said, you know, I, I shouldn't be here. He just told me shut up and lay down and tell it to the judge in the morning. And so that was an awakening for me. It was like kind of a bottom, as they say. And, uh, but it wasn't a, it wasn't like a secular bottom. I, mean, I was, I was seeking a spiritual, I knew there was a spiritual, uh, experience that, you know, I tried astrology. I tried Zen Buddhism. Right. I tried a transcendental meditation. I mean, I was searching. I just didn't get on the right road. And so when, when I wound up at my sister's door and she took me to some of her friends' house and they explained Christianity to me, they said that I could meet God. I said, Meet God. They go, Yeah, you know, Jesus. Jesus is God. And we just talked to him over there by the fireplace. And he's interested in coming into your life. I said, Oh, really? <laughs> it, you know, like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. And they said, uh, Well, listen, are you willing to repent of your sins? And I said, What do you th- repent? What does that mean? And, you know, as a Catholic, we used to have penance and you would say a bunch of prayers as forgiveness, I guess, and they said, no, no, are you willing to turn from your life? I said, well, I'm looking at spending the rest of my life in prison. I said, uh, I'll do anything. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And they said, well, you know, and they prayed. They said, you know, repeat this prayer after me and and expect something to happen. And and uh, so I did. I said, Jesus, come into my life. Uh, I, I repent. I'm willing. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just following along a plan. Well, he must have had this plan set up for quite a long time there, Rob. Because he came into my life so powerfully, I mean, powerfully, so powerfully, it knocked me right on the floor, and it was we got the house got hit by three uh, uh, three clashes. of thunder and lightning came right through this house. Wow. Yeah, and it came right into me, and and uh, I couldn't get up off the floor, and I had this spiritual awakening, and I I knew at that time I didn't want to get up off the floor. I wanted I just wanted to be left alone. I said just. Whatever's happening, it felt like I was being washed and cleaned from the inside out. And um, I, woke, I came out of it, and I stood up. I could barely stand on my feet. And you know, you want to talk about having a spiritual experience, and you know, I've listened to some of your shows, and there's a lot of people that talk about the supernatural, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, things I didn't know anything about about uh, spirituality or demons or right. any of that kind of stuff but boy I'll tell you what there was two demons came out of me and one of them was dr- drugs uh drug addict and one of them was alcoholic a demon type of thing a creature and um I went to a church service after that and I was pointed out in the in the in the service and the preacher said there's a you right there and I and I was like again I look like Charlie Mance's brother I mean I, I was just happy <laughs> and, and the guy said uh No, you. And I was sitting way in the back. There must have been 3000 people there. And a guy elbowed me Goes, the guy's talking to you, man, stand up. And I stood up and he said, "Uh, you know, God's delivering you from drugs and alcohol. You've got some kind of demonic spirit in you. And he's going to he's delivering you right now. And I went home that night. And honestly, I had this experience where these guys, these two little demon guys, it came face to face with me. They want to leave. But all the words I could get out of my mouth, Rob, was Jesus. I was like, G-G-G-G-G-G-G. I didn't know what else to say. And these two things came face to face with me because it's, gr- just as, it's just almost like a movie, you know, where you'd see this great creature. Mm-hmm. And um, boom, they both took off out of me. And uh, I was never the same after that point, as far as wanting to do drugs or drinking. I tried to quit many, many times in the past. I could never quit. I could never get past, give me another drink. Uh, you know, Give me another cigarette, give me, give me another snort of cocaine or something. All of a sudden, I lost all the desire to do any of that stuff. So that put me on this road of recovery, as they call it. My life was transformed. It wasn't rehabilitated, which is a lot of people have that, that you know, well, I'm going to go to rehab and get rehabilitated. I did not want to become rehabilitated and bring brought, brought back to my life the way it was before I was an alcoholic because it was, I was miserable. I used the drugs and the alcohol as an escape, so please don't rehab me. I mean, this is what I looked, I looked at after years of what happened to me. I said, I was transformed, and that's why I started off in a ministry, got open doors for me to go in ministry, to try to teach people the same way that they can get past their addictions through the power of God. Let's hold and it
1: he, there because we've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour sure. right now. Marty Angelo was our guest, XO Nation. Man, this is true life. This isn't those kind of things that you watch on TV that are supposed to be real. This is real. www.martyangelo.com And uh, we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. By the way, the X-Zone TV show is available for you on Amazon Download or whatever it's called. Just go to Amazon.com and you can... You can download the uh, 2015 season of the Exxon TV show. And the Exxon Chronicles newspaper is now available at www.exchroniclesnewspaper.com.
0: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Marty Angelo is our special guest, and as you know, X-Zone Nation, there are times we get guests on the on the show that that I know they're just blowing smoke up the old wazoo. I know it. I've been doing this show for 26 years Ooh. and you get to know when you're getting had or somebody is just making things up to make them self-sound self sound good. The other night we had a lady on the show. I'm not going to say her name because it was Erica Gray and <laughs> uh, she she came on as a Born-again Christian. Well, she, was a, she wasn't a born-again Christian. She was a, a Bible fanatic who, oh, who had ulterior motives that we found out. You know, like, mm. uh, and, and you can tell. And, yes, I get aggressive because I feel that these people are trying to pull the wool over the eyes and the hearts of my listeners. And I don't go for that, Marty. You know that as a, mm. as a, as a former guy in radio that your, yes. your audience is very sacred to you.
2: Absolutely. But, yeah,
1: no, I understand what you're saying. But me, I'm, because, telling you, I'm telling you, Marty, I, I hear it from your heart, though. I hear the story. Yeah. I hear the truth.
2: Yeah, I, I can't, you know, I can't attribute it, Rob, to anything other than that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I tell guys when I go into prisons, mm-hmm. and I've gone into hundreds of prisons around the country over these years, 37 years, and, uh, you know, I tell them, I wish I could tell you that there was a different way to do this. You know, that there was another road that you could take and maybe something will happen and you'll you'll be all right. You know, everybody wants to be all right without any effort. <laughs> Isn't that true? Everybody <laughs> wants the easy pill, you know, give me the pill to fix it all. Right. The road of least resistance we call it. Yeah. And you know, drug addicts are notorious for taking the road of least that's why there's so many rehabs. I mean there's uh, and there's rehab on every corner now. It's like gas stations and, and it's these secular programs that, that give you all this kind of jargon. And and blame it on your mother and father, or blame it on this and blame it on that, and, and and they don't, they're not get, they're re- they're rehabilitating you, and then they're calling uh, addiction a, a disease, and uh, it's the only disease I know that uh, they clump in with cancer that you can't be detected with anything, you can't get a cat scan, you can't get an MRI, you can't take a blood test, uh, yeah, you can find out what the damage is with what, mm-hmm. what what the abuse abuse causes, but there's no gene. That That's they could right. say, there it is, you know, let's take a scalpel and cut it out of you. That, you got the addiction disease. And, and so, you know, again, it, it, I don't mean to put it down, but the, most of those places are, are zero to four percent are statistics of success. And I've worked in Christian programs. I've set up Christian programs where you get down with people that really are serious about changing their lives. And, um, and most of those programs that I've worked in, you know, they have upwards of 86 uh, percent success. And they attribute it to the Jesus factor that, you know, you have a you establish a relationship with God and you learn the principles of what it's like uh, to be a new creature uh, in him. And then you have to walk it out. And, and you know, we have a lot of uh, a lot of false prophets that are out there nowadays, yep. you know, that are telling you this and that the end of the world and the end of the generation and 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 you know Jesus is coming and you better get ready and all that and they give you this this kind of a false conversion that you're going to rely on the savior to come and save you out of this and he never said he said you know you go through much tribulation in order then to enter the kingdom of god you know it's not this easy thing you know it's easier for a rich man to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a person to get into the rich man to get into the kingdom of God. So, I mean, yeah, it's a simple process if you're sincere and God sees your heart and he arranges everything for you to happen. But, you know, I've met a lot of false people that confess Christ and, you know, they're out there screwing around and drinking and caring like, oh, God, God can't see me. Hmm. and And, uh, you know, he's busy in Africa, you know, helping the Africans and you know i can do this and that. and and i tell you you know when i when i when i speak in a prison the first thing i ask is how many of you have been here before and and most of the guys raise their hands i said you know what 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 happened you know why did you fall why would you do this and why would you want to come back to places like this and you know they have these these various stories that they'll tell you and most of them because they don't have a right concept of who god is and where god is nowadays That's why these futurists tell you, well, you know, he's up in heaven and Jesus is going to come back again someday when actually he lives in your heart. You see the spiritual experience that a person can have where he comes in. The Bible says the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you have to take that seriously. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, I I became a Christian the other day and I can do whatever I want now because I'm saved by grace. But, you know, it's not that, you know, the, 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 and then, he, then he's going to come and he's going to save us. All. He's going to come and rapture me out of here and I'm going to you people can stay here and and, uh, you know, and yeah, you can fight it out in the tribulation. I'll be in heaven and you can go over there in Israel. That whole concept is wrong. And I mean, I know you're friends with Don Preston and I've been friends with Don. I spoke at a couple of his conference at, at one of his conferences. But I've had many conversations. He's a and good we're man. We're on we're yep. on a kind of the same wavelength yep. when it comes to that type of teaching. But I can see, as a drug addict and as a person that had no hope in their life, how when this, when when God actually does come into you and changes you, that makes it different than any other religion, any anything else you want to call it, is that. That's why Christianity is, is, you know, it's an ongoing thing. Yes, there's 30,000 denominations and there's all these different beliefs and all that. But the mystery is the fact that God will come and live in you and change you and give you the fruit of his spirit, which is peace and joy and righteousness and love and patience and all these things that I thought I could get by doing drugs and drinking and carrying on like a fool. I thought love was having sex with a girl or marrying her or whatever. And I thought joy was getting drunk. And I thought uh, uh, a peace was smoking up a, a, a joint mm-hmm. and, but that's not, that's not the case. But when God comes into the person's life, which he did with me and changed me, first of all, that was a miracle in itself, Rob, <laughs> besides, besides giving me this fruit, you know, there's all of these blessings that I always, I wanted peace for just 10 seconds in my life. God, just give me peace for 10 seconds, like five seconds. How about how about one second? <laughs> and, and then, you know, he, he says he gives you peace that passes all understanding. For thirty five, seven years, Rob, I've had nothing but peace in my life. Yeah, I have cir- circumstances and situations that might come my way. But God is there and I identify him as him living in me. And so he's there all the time. I don't have to wait for him somewhere around the road. I don't have to run to a church building and, and find a priest or a minister. You know, the minister's busy, you know, with his girlfriend or something. You know, you don't know even know who to trust anymore. Exactly. You know, the, the priest could be with a little boy or the yep. minister could be with a prostitute. I don't know, you know. Exactly. But that's the difference. You have to have that relationship and he has to make himself known to you so that he goes, Take it easy, Marty. I'm here with you. Now let's work this through. You know, there's a there's a blessing in this and I'll bring you through this problem and you'll get through it, trust me. And and you have to develop that trust in which I've done over the years is to understand, first of all, who God is, where is he, what's he gonna do with me and, and what, what is he gonna do through me? First, he's gonna help me, straighten me out and maybe I can help somebody else through my experiences. That's why I've written books and I make them available like, your listeners, if they want, they can go to amazon.com and they're available in Kindle for 99 cents. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, there's a lot of good, good meat in those books. And my whole testimony is in, is in the book and I make it available so that people can, can, you know, if they want to learn, if they want to give it to their friends, if they got anybody that's in jail or prison, I'd gladly send them a paperback copy of the book. They could just write me through my website. Uh, marty at martyangelo.com, send me an email, and I'd gladly uh, write, uh, write the inmate, and send him a letter, and, and share my story with them. And then it's up to God. You know, my sister told me, I said, what am I supposed to do, Joanne, become a Jesus freak and hand out Bibles on the street? She goes, Marty, that's between you and God. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do with you. <laughs> I certainly didn't plan on this, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> so, so
1: Marty, in, in, in prison, in your experience, why are yes. so many people turning to Islam? And uh, according to the statistics that I've read, mm-hmm. there are more people turning to Islam than there are people turning to Christianity and God and Christ.
2: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a. Well, first of all, they're not. Uh, uh, when I was in prison, mm-hmm. and, and th- there was not a lot of truth in in a lot of the services that they had for the Christians. They didn't teach the power of God. They just thought, well, you're a Christian now, you got to plot along, and you know, just you, there was no victory. Mm-hmm. There was they, they just said. In fact, even the chaplain told me, Marty, look, you know, we're not trying to proselytize here. You know, you're a Protestant, a Catholic, and Jews and Muslims, and we don't cross lines here. You know, you leave. You know, I, I just supply the services. And so, if you're a Baptist, we'll get you a Baptist minister. If you're Muslim or you're whatever. But the problem, the problem that I faced when I noticed it was that well, that was the beginning. There was peer pressure amongst the blacks and they did it, you know, it's tough to survive, you know, and, and there's, you hear all these stories about prisons and gangs and, and territory, mm-hmm. you you don't go over here, you don't use those urinals, because those are black urinals, and then you got the Spanish Mexicans over here, you use those, that shower, you can't use any other shower, but those showers, you can't do this, you can't walk across this guy's territory, you can't walk in front of my bunk, because, and I mean, that's the kind of thing that goes on in those places, and so the Muslims, why people turn to the Muslims, number one is for protection. And, and, and uh, again, the statistics in prisons is that most, the majority of the people are, are uh, minorities yeah. that are in prison. Uh, there's blacks and Mexicans in the California prisons and a lot of the ones in Florida and throughout all the countries. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but this is what happens where people will do a lot of things that are that they can't get a job or whatever, so they turn to things that are going to get them in trouble, so they wind up in jail. So now you need protection when you're in there. You're not going to walk this walk alone while you're in there. You better you affiliate with somebody. Uh, and so the, the Muslim guys, you know, they they're they're a pretty powerful force. I mean, I knew many black guys that came in as Baptists and Methodists and this and thatists, and and they got dragged right into the Muslim thing. They get their little beanie on and they were, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what they were, if they felt like they were apart now and they looked after each other. You didn't mess with anybody. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't want to fight anybody. You'd have to fight them all. Wow. And, and you know, I, I had a guy like that. I, he, in fact, he was Muhammad Ali's sparring partner and he wanted to kill me. He, he, he thought I snitched him out with the physical therapist because I used to work for the physical therapist and that was my job. And he uh, she told him to stop working out and he didn't. So he just wanted to go there and get treatment and just lay in the hot tub and stuff that they had there. <laughs> and she'd massage him. So he, that was a good thing for him. I'm going to do all my time with things. this lady's going to rub my shoulder. And then all of a sudden she found out he was working and working out. And so she she took him off the list. He couldn't go. So he thought I snitched him out. Now he's going to kill me. And he was hanging around with the Muslims and the Muslims were edging him on to kill me because they knew I was a Christian. I'm gonna kill you, Angelo, you snitch me out. And he'd say it in front of 5,000 guys in the prison in the yard. And I was hanging out with the Christians and, and he, I finally went up to him and said, listen, man, you know, this is embarrassing. I didn't do anything to you. In fact, in fact, if you if you want to beat me up and kill me, you're gonna to have to get permission from my father. And he thought I was talking about my physical father. He says, oh, what's your father in her too? I said, no, my father's God. So if you want to mess with me, you're gonna to have to get permission from him. And then, then... The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I will repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Now you can take it up with him. You can kill me all day long. In fact, you'll be doing me a favor. I'll get out of here. And it, 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 it messed him right up. He, he repented of his sins. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to, he says, Marty, he says, I was a Christian when I came in here. These Muslims are bugging me. He says, and and you know, If I was a Christian and you're a Christian, that makes us brothers, and this is no way to act. All right, we've got to take our
1: final break. Marty, please stand by. Explanation. Marty Angelo is our special guest. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, wrap up this hour with uh, Marty and uh, find out where you can get his books and what Marty's been up to and uh, where you can probably contact him and share his story. We'll be back. Don't go away. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. exonation Nation, Marty Angelo is my special guest this hour, and what a gentleman. You know, he's had one, one life. It's, it's just amazing, the life that you've had, Marty, but... What I really, the part that has drew me closer to your story than anything else is the way that you help people, your honesty, yeah. your sincerity, your love for your fellow human beings, and your love for God.
2: Well, you know, it's all a gift, Rob. I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't plan on this. I was mm-hmm. a miserable wreck and, and ang- never smiled, wasn't happy. I had nothing. And so when God really made himself known to me and manifested himself in me, I said, this is it. I, this is what I was searching for all of my life. And I know there's a lot of hurting people out there. And if only one person changes yeah. through who I, I do, and I think a lot of people say the same thing, you know, then it'll be all worth it. And so um, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, just, I, you know, I hate to see what's happening to this world with what I know. And I know the power of God that can change people. I, I see these young kids on college campuses now that are being led around like the same way I was, and I, and I, and there are big gangs of guys that are throwing stuff and burning cars and this and that. And I'm wondering, I look at one, each one of them as individuals, you know, because you're in a big gang and you went doing this and doing that, but you know, God sees yeah. each one of these people. And we, you know what's it gonna take to break through? what I wonder what it's gonna what wonder what their bottom is gonna be, even if they have they may go through their whole life and curse God and die. I mean, their parents aren't much better than them. I've talked to many parents. In these rehabs, they bring their kids in rehabs. And, oh, you know, you got to fix my son. you got to fix my son. I said, well, let me talk to you first. Well, I don't have the problem. What do you want <laughs> to delve into my life for? Right? Well, I want to find out when this started. Exactly. What do you believe? What have you been teaching your kid? And so, yeah, I mean, so it's a mess. And, and so, you know, I found a way for my life to be straightened, and I'm very thankful to God. And, you know, God will bring people past your door, it past your, 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 you know, cross your path just like he's doing now. If anybody's out there that's listening to this story, you know, there's a reason for why we are listening and there's a reason why God is using Rob and his great work. And, um, you know, it's a pretty simple process. And, and uh, but yet we can make a lot, we can make it a lot bigger than what it, what it seems. And so I try to keep it simple. It's out of love and concern, uh, it's not out of fear. There's no reason to think, oh, you know, I'm going to miss the rapture. I'm going to miss this or miss that. And I better believe because this end time preacher on television told me, oh, look at the look at Israel or look at this. Everybody's a, it's going crazy. It, it, you know, it, that's not what God's about. God's about loving you and loving your neighbor. He said, love God first and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't worry about tomorrow. You've got to live in the now. You've got to be able to enjoy your family you enjoy your kids. You know, yeah. as you get older, and you know this too, Rob, you know, life is short, man. That's right. You're well, here most for... of my friends are dead. Yeah. And, you know, when you look back on it, you see you don't have a whole lot of time. No, you're, right. here, for good,
1: you're here for a good time. You're not here for a long time.
2: <laughs> there you go. Listen, that's that's something
1: that bothers me, and, and, and I've brought this up many times with many people, that I feel I can have this comfortable conversation with. And, and I find talking to you very comfortable. And like I told you off air, that, uh, you know, we are going to be back here. Yes. Um, Love it. It seems that the God of the Old Testament is totally yeah. different from the God of the New Testament. Like in the New Testament, God doesn't kill anybody. But well. in the Old Testament, man, he killed Sodom and uh, Gomorrah. He, he yeah. ni- you know, he flooded the earth. Yeah. You know, why the why the difference in personalities?
2: Well, he came as a man. You know, he came and, and he came himself. I mean, they, they, you know, God is a spirit, so the spirit came into Jesus, born of a virgin, and came and and he knew he knew after you know just you study the Jewish, uh, you know, the Jews who, mm-hmm. who he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and yeah. Jacob. So. He exposed himself to a certain group of people. And they didn't want to know him. Half the time they were always in rebellion and they were taken into captivity a couple times and they were disobedient. He knew that you couldn't keep the law. Right. And and, and so that's why they, you know, they were so surprised when Jesus did come because he was against everything they were taught. You know, he he, he was he was talking about love, your neighbor. Wait, kill the Romans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, God, get with it, man. What are you talking about? And, and and it was so different because he provided a door into his kingdom. That other kingdom that was in the old Jewish kingdom was all about the law. You know, they had to kill sheep. They had to go to the temple. They had to do a lot of stuff that was, that, uh, was very, very hard to do. And so he came down and broke down that wall of partition, even between the Jew and the Gentile. He opened the door to both. He came into both. And so... Um, and that's the mystery. And so he became, you know his when he comes inside of each individual, then you have that love. then you don't want to break the law. You don't want to do things that are bad. And he had to do away with that old kingdom, which he did in seventy AD. He destroyed that whole uh, uh, that religious system that was set up, which he said that was going to happen within that generation. And so that had to be taken out of the way in order for this spiritual kingdom of God where, Each one of us become the temple of God. Gotcha. He says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so we have God living in us, part of God. He can live in you and me at the same time. He can live in anybody that wants to believe in him all at the same time. So where is Jesus? Jesus lives in us. You don't have to wait for him to come back again like these futuristic people teach. He's here with us. Do you
1: think we're in the last days? No. No, not at all. No, no. No.
2: We're being told that we're in the last days, but no, we yeah. that last days were had the, the time of the end was the end of the Jewish um, uh, generation, that first generation that Jesus said uh, the, uh, all these things will not will come to pass in this generation, that generation that he was talking to. They're the ones that had it coming to them. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was that final judgment, the last day. You know, they had a last day judgment, and boy, they destroyed the temple. He destroyed the whole thing. He used the Romans, come in, burned a place to the ground. Not one stone was left, left on, on, on each other and, and that that was gone. And so he says, my kingdom is everlasting. So, you know, these people that are teaching this end time futuristic stuff have no basis. They just take scripture out of content and apply it to this generation. And they're saying, see, this generation shall not pass away till all these things. See, there's earthquakes and there's, and there's you know, uh, um, uh, storms and they're look at the the Muslims that kind of kill us and they're flying planes into our buildings and and, and you know they're this is the end see it's the sign of the times it's like it's gonna end any minute well y- wait a minute you know <laughs> what do you do with kingdom teaching what do you do with the fact that Christ lives in you and He came to give you peace and joy and righteousness and that you're supposed to teach your kids this and you're supposed to teach your kids kids this and you know God you. He he allowed that love. He allows you to do and believe whatever you want to. And and that goes for every nationality in the world. And, and if you want to if you want a part of this thing, just call upon the name of Jesus and that'll happen. And he'll expose yourself himself to to each individual that wants to know him. And that's who changes people's lives. I mean, you could take a Muslim right now and take him and, and, and have him understand the kingdom of God and Christ in him, that guy won't be a Muslim for too much longer. You take a Jew, the same thing. You take a Hindu, the same thing will happen. Once God, the living God, comes inside of a person, they're no longer the same. And but then it, but it's but up to it, them it, to, to apply God's kingdom but principles. But isn't to the God world. the God of one and all? Absolutely. God, is the God God. is God has always been the God of this world. You know, and and Jesus is the one that, that exposed the real God mm-hmm. to humanity. And that's why it was is important to go through. He said, He's the door yeah. to this whole thing. And he said, If anybody knocks, I'll come into them. Behold, you know, I'll I'll knock at the door of your heart and and you you open the door, I'll come in. Then you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, then you know. I mean you can't you can't figure it out with your head. You know, God is not religion is head is is done in the head right and in the heart and in the heart and and, yeah and when he comes into your heart your Mm -hmm. spirit that's different then he'll move to your head then you can become you can develop you can have the mind of christ the apostle paul said you know he, he wants you to continue in the faith until you have the mind of christ you start thinking and you start to make right decisions because you're developing the mind of christ well if you tell people christ is coming again someday He's up in heaven. He's waiting to come back down here and, and cause holy hell and, and, and turmoil on everybody. What about the mind of Christ? What about Christ in you? What are you supposed? Is he supposed to leave me now and go back up and then come back again? I mean, how confusing is that? And so you know, I, that's why it's important that we study. And I that's why I love Don. I mean, Don is a great guy. He, he yes. knows. He explains it correctly about seventy A.D. But he doesn't dwell as much as I do as on the kingdom of God is within you, that the spirit of God is in you, that the spirit is Jesus in you. And so there's a difference. There's a, you, know, you break up God into three different persons, then you get confused because God is one God. He's the God of creation. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he was also the God of the world. Just ask the Pharaoh. He, he hardened the Pharaoh's heart. I would have let those Jews go uh as soon as the fr- first frog would have jumped on me because they were in <laughs> captivity it's like get these guys out of here but he hardened his heart why because he'd get the glory for getting them out of it- egypt the same thing in babylon ask nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar was the king he didn't believe the in the, the god of abraham isaac and jacob of the jew until they made he he made nebuchadnezzar crawl on his hands and knees he grew feathers and nails he understood the god of Uh, of this world and so that living God of this world is what can change people's lives
1: All right, my friend I'd love to have you back on in the near
2: future because we're running out of time let our
1: listeners know where they can find uh, all about you again plug your website
2: martyangelo.com pretty simple and my books are available through Amazon they're in paperback I got them priced as low as I possibly can Uh, they're all published through Amazon now through through their system and then I, I have the Kindle electronic version uh, for just $0.99, cents and um, I've got nine of them up there now.
1: All right, Marty, we and, have to uh, say so long, my it. friend. Exonation, martyangelo.com. Take care of yourself, my friend, and thanks so much for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Thank you, Rob. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you, my friend. We'll All be right. back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exo from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't <music>